Hey friends, and uh, welcome again to Jacksonville Presbyterian Church. My name is Dustin, and I do get to be uh, one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're just uh, joining us, we're going through the Gospel of John together. And uh, so we are in John chapter 12 today. But before we jump into that, I just need to say uh, a big uh, thank you to everybody who came by and dropped off gift cards and who gave uh, gift certificates uh, to the shops here in town and dropped off groceries. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we are so excited to have Oaks Henry in our family. And uh, if you don't know, uh, we decided to name him Oaks after a passage in uh, my favorite book of the Bible, in Isaiah. And it's out of Isaiah 61. And uh, you may recognize Isaiah 61. Uh, it's uh, Jesus's first sermon passage where he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And anyway, in Isaiah 61, three, uh, he says this, uh, that uh, the Lord, the Messiah has come to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And uh, it's just such a hopeful passage. Uh, I believe that Jesus would have preached that whole chapter in his first sermon. And uh, we just love the idea of naming him Oaks. And uh, so it's Oaks Henry Jernigan. Uh, we're excited to have him. And uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite comedians uh, once talked about having four kids, and he famously said, uh, having a fourth child is, uh, it's like imagining uh, that you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. And uh, so that's kind of how Caroline and I are feeling right now. We're just keeping our heads above water. Uh, but with that, let's get back to uh, what we're doing this morning, uh, which is studying God's word together. Uh, so with that, if you've got your Bible, hopefully you can follow along. We're going to read from John chapter 12, uh, verses 36 through 43. Uh, so grab your Bible, follow along in John chapter 12. It says these words, When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they didn't confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. And Father, as we study your word, would we take courage? Would we be bold believers? Uh, Lord, would we be willing to go rogue when you call us to? Uh, Lord, would we break uh, this world's script for us and follow you and take up our crosses every day and follow you, that we may find life in your son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Uh, well, the, uh, the whole topic this morning that I want to suggest to you, uh, friends, as we try to, uh, you know, discern the times uh, together as what we're facing right now in this world, uh, I think what I want to suggest to you primarily this morning is that uh, if you're a Christian this morning, if, you're, if you follow Christ, uh, or if you're even interested in becoming a follower of Jesus, uh, I want to suggest to you uh, on a very profound level, friend, uh, that you and I uh, we are called in a really profound way to go rogue. <laughs> and what I mean by that, uh, when, you know, when the phrase going rogue is often thrown about, we often think that just means doing what you want to do and uh, going independent. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I know like independence and freedom uh, speaks to a lot of us and we like that idea of being free, but that's not really what I mean when I say going rogue. Uh, what I mean by that is closer to what Merriam-Webster defines the phrase going rogue as, which uh, they define it as failing to follow the expected script. And for many of us, uh, especially those of us who are Christians, uh, we discern uh, probably intuitively that are in our world, there is pretty much an expected script for all of us, right? We're expected to uh, determine truth for ourselves, to determine who we are by ourselves, uh, to determine, uh, you know, that um, the only sacred thing in this life is your ability to choose your own adventure, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, you throw on top of that, you know, that um, the expected script says, you know, you should pursue the life that you want, that no one else can define for you. So whether that's a big family or singleness, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the expected script is um, who's sitting on the throne of your life. Uh, or to use a different analogy, you know, who's got their hands on the steering wheel of the story of your life. Uh, well, as Christians, we know that uh, there's a lot of truth to that, that we are free in Christ, but also profoundly that Jesus is the one who sits on the throne of our lives, and Jesus is the one who determines uh, what we choose or not choose. Uh, Jesus is the one who determines what's true or not true. Uh, Jesus even changes what it is uh, that we see uh, wealth to be for and what it's about. And so for us as Christians, uh, I really feel like we are called to sort of break the script, especially right now uh, during this really strange time. Uh, I keep coming back uh, to this hunch, um, this sort of gut feeling in my spirit that um, we're supposed to come out of this differently. And discipleship, especially for our church, uh, keeps coming more and more to the forefront of my mind. And when I mean discipleship, what I mean is being willing for each one of us to take up our crosses and follow Jesus. And what that means for many of us is you and I are going to have to choose to go rogue, <laughs> to sort of break the script that the world expects of us. And uh, what I mean by that is just, you know, simply this. Think about it this way. You know, Paul says this in Romans 12. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I know for some of you, this idea of like going rogue right now, maybe your anxiety level is so high that, you know, your pastor is suggesting to you that we break the script. You know, that's just, you know, it's, it's causing too much worry and frustration. And I'm not calling for anything, you know, outlandish other than, you know, following Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, but 
if, if going rogue uh, doesn't really appeal to your personality type, uh, you know, let me just, you know, have you consider this. Um, you know, uh, use your imagination for a second. Uh, if, if you were in a surgical ward and you were about to have surgery performed on you, you know, use your imagination. Um, you know, would you want, when you were in that surgery ward, would you want nurses whose main priority is just not upsetting the apple cart? Or would you want nurses who are willing to go rogue and break the expected script and speak up when necessary to the doctors? Uh, would you want nurses who are willing to do the bold thing in order to do what's best for you? Well, Consider this. In 1999, there was a uh, now infamous medical report. Uh, it's called To Air is Human. And it argues, uh, this was, you know, several years ago, two decades ago. In 1999, in this article called To Air is Human, uh, the medical report argued that almost 100,000 Americans were potentially dying each year uh, from mistakes being performed uh, and by medical errors. And, uh, you know, I don't mean that to slight any medical professionals. Probably many of them know the report I'm talking about. Uh, but what the report found in 1999, again, two decades ago, was the researchers in the medical report found uh, that one of the main reasons for medical errors was the fear of medical professionals to speak up during critical moments. Uh, they were unwilling, so to speak, to break the script. Uh, in one famous example of this, a woman, uh, you may have heard this story, a woman went into a hospital to get a tonsillectomy, you know, to get her tonsils taken out of her uh, head or wherever tonsils are, you know, in this region. Again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, but in this case, the woman uh, went into surgery to get a tonsillectomy, and she left by having her foot removed. Now, uh, how could that possibly happen? Well, when the researchers reviewed it, they, they found that no less than seven medical professionals knew that something wrong was happening. And no less than seven were wondering why the surgeon was working on the foot. But all seven of them said nothing. So, you know, let me ask you again, you know, if you were going into a surgery ward do you want nurses whose main priority is not to upset the apple cart? Or would you want the nurse in the room who's willing to speak up and make sure you come out with both feet still on you? <laughs> well, uh, if that's the kind of medical professionals you want, uh, Christian, how important is it for you and me to speak up and maybe be willing to break the script in order to share the gospel and to be the light of Jesus Christ in our world. Uh, think about it this way. If you have become a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the person who shared the gospel with you probably had to take a bold step and speak to you and potentially challenge you and talk to you about repentance and turning from sin and turning to Christ. And it may not have been that enjoyable in the moment, but aren't you so thankful that they didn't stay silent? Now, of course, Christian, I hope you're seeing the application. If that's how you and I come to faith, who are you and I called to share the gospel with? And if we are the recipients 
of Christians loving us enough to speak up? Why would we not be willing to speak up and share the gospel with others? Well, our our passage is actually all about this. It's all about going rogue. Well, maybe to put it more accurately, what we're seeing here in John chapter 12 in this section is we're seeing why people are not willing to go rogue, to break the mold. In fact, Jesus has just gotten done talking about how he's going to be lifted up from the earth, how he's going to draw all people to himself. He's going to provide salvation to anyone who trusts in his name. But right here, shockingly in our passage, John wants us to realize that many people are going to refuse to do this, uh, refuse to accept Christ. And, you know, if you're anything, if you've been with us at all, you'll be wondering, how in the world is anyone not accepting Christ? I mean, the stuff that he says, the claims about himself, the signs and the miracles that he's doing, um, who could ever say no? Uh, But John is very clear. There are people who are unwilling to break the mold, to step out in faith, um, to stick out. The reason they are, it's right there in verse 42. It says, many... Even though they believed in Jesus, they knew that he was right, they would not confess it because of the fear of the Pharisees. They were afraid of being put out of the synagogue, of losing their place, losing their reputation. And it's because they loved the glory, you know, the the reputation, the good standing that comes from people and not the honor and the good standing that only God can bestow on us. Uh, So let's dive into this passage and let's see how going rogue really looks. Uh, Well, our first point is very simple and I've already hinted at it, which is going rogue uh, means uh, that you and I have to reconcile and grapple with what the New Testament teaches us, uh, which is the (laughs) um, heartbreaking, sobering realization that even though there are people who see Jesus at work in this world, that know that he's telling them the truth, they will not put their trust in him. You see, that's exactly what John is talking about in verse 42. He says, these are people who they believe in him, but they won't confess it. And I don't think that John means that they actually put their faith in Jesus Christ. I think really what John is saying is he's saying, these are people who sort of acknowledge that Jesus is right. But acknowledging that Jesus is right and who he says he is Uh, does not mean that everyone who does that is a follower of Jesus. Um, What we have to do is not only do we have to acknowledge who Jesus is, Jesus calls us to repent, uh, to turn from our sin. Remember last week, he he tells the Greeks through the apostles, you remember the Greeks who come and say, we want to see Jesus. He starts talking about the need to die to ourselves so that new life uh, can be grown out of that death. And so going rogue means uh, that not everyone is going to accept Christ. I mean, this is sobering for the Christian. It's heartbreaking. Uh, This is why the other gospel writers, um, after Jesus has come in on Palm Sunday, uh, the other gospel writers say that Jesus breaks down and he weeps at the end of this day. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, that I would have gathered you like my children, like a mother hen gathering her chicks. I would have brought you into my nest, but you would not have anything to do with me. And so part of going rogue is just, um, <laughs> I think, is, is learning to um, 
live in the tension and in the pain of following Christ and knowing that not everyone's going to accept him. And uh, the other thing that you know, sort of um, recognizing this is what John talks about there in verse 37. Um, you know, John is trying to understand why it is that people are not choosing to follow him. And so in verse 36, it says, you know, Jesus has just done, has gotten done saying all these things about how he's going to be lifted up, draw all people to himself. He's going to invite them to become children of light. But in verse 37, it says, though he had done so many signs, they still did not believe him. And verse 37 right there makes a point of saying that Jesus did signs. And almost every uh, New Testament scholar who studies the book of John is going to point out that really um, basically chapters 2 through 12 in the gospel of John um, is actually called the book of signs. And Jesus does seven signs, miracles uh, that are supposed to demonstrate who he is and his authority. So the first sign that John tells us about, of course, is when Jesus turns the water into wine. And then other signs are things like when Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And of course, you know, the one we have most recently been studying the sign of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And when you think about that, verse 37, and we think about um, the fact that some people are just never going to follow Jesus for some crazy reason. Uh, think about what verse 37 is saying. Um, and you don't, you don't have to be a Christian to go along with what I'm about to say, but just try to understand what John is trying to communicate. Uh, John in verse 37 in, his, in the story that he's telling, he is saying that Jesus does miraculous things that no human could possibly do. He brings people back from the dead. He turns water into wine. He miraculously feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. Um, no human can possibly do these things. And yet, even in the story that John is telling, he profoundly tells us that even though people can see these things, even though they can, you know, grab Lazarus's arm, they are still not going to believe. They're still going to choose not to accept him. So how is that even possible? Even the gospels will say all the miracles are obvious. Well, one thing we're supposed to learn from that, um, friends, is I think um, as much as we want to give our friends the perfect argument for why Jesus is alive and, you know, sort of the perfect explanation of all the questions that we could have about this world, um, at a, the most foundational level, uh, what John is getting at is that faith in Jesus um, yes, it requires your intellect. Yes, there is proof in the physical world. There's the proof of the resurrection, the proof of the miracles. But actually what brings someone to faith in Jesus Christ is the prompting and the work of the Holy Spirit in the person. And so if you're wondering right now, um, if you are a Christian, um, you wanting to be sure, friend, <laughs> That's evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. Don't resist the Spirit. Uh, find out, work out your salvation in fear and trembling and ask the Lord, I want to be a Christian. How can I know for sure? 
If you feel the prompting of the spirit, if you want to know Jesus, a friend, you didn't come up with that. That's actually God's spirit at work in you already. So what we're seeing is that not all are going to believe. And, you know, John is going to push that even a little bit further. Um, that faith is not just about seeing the miracles, that there has to be a spiritual component. And then John says something uh, beautifully profound in verse 38 and following. He says that when people refuse uh, to accept Christ, he's actually letting us know that you know, when we read the Old Testament, like the book in Isaiah, which he quotes twice here, he says that actually people rejecting Jesus um, that doesn't mean that the miracles didn't happen or that they're metaphorical miracles. What John is saying is that when people reject Jesus, it actually only goes to confirm God's word all along. After all, Isaiah 53.1 and Isaiah 6 talks about how people, even if they see the truth, will refuse to believe it. Right there, he quotes Isaiah 6 and Isaiah 53 saying that there are going to be some people who choose not to see Jesus, choose not to believe in him. All right, so that's the first thing going rogue means. It means that not everyone's going to accept Christ. And, uh, you know, if you want to accept Christ, then now is the day to do it. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. Uh, the other thing that going rogue means, sort of my, my second point, is simply going rogue, if you look at verse 42, uh, is really just uh, going rogue means that you and I are called to confess the faith. You know, we've talked about it a little bit, but in verse 42, it says, many of the authorities, that's like the important people, right? And many of the authorities, the important people, they believe in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they don't confess it because they're afraid that they'll be put out of the synagogue. And really what we're seeing here, again, is that sort of shallow faith. Remember that Jesus uh, in Matthew and in Mark, he tells a parable about the seed and there's different kinds of soil and some seed never grows. And then some seed has really thin soil and it grows up for a little while, but it doesn't endure. Uh, well, John is basically saying all of these same points, right? He's basically making the same argument that it's possible for somebody to want to be affiliated with Jesus, uh, to maybe have this sinking fear that he's actually right but they haven't actually given their life over to him. They haven't acknowledged that he's the Lord over everything. And the reason, of course, right there is it's the fear of man. Uh, they don't want to experience rejection. Uh, they don't want to lose their reputation. And what they really don't want to do is they don't want to be seen as a weirdo, right? And, uh, you know, I'm not saying you should be odd for odd's sake. You know, I mean, you know, trust me, you know, if I know you, you and I are probably, we're already odd enough as it is. You know, I'm not saying be odd for odd's sake, uh, but there is a sense, Christian, that you and I, we're going to stick out if we stick up for Jesus. Um, we should stick out as we stick up for the Lord. And right there, what we're seeing is what's holding many people back in this story is they just simply don't want to go rogue. <laughs> they don't want to break the script. And so uh, how does that apply to us? Well, um, you know, I think at the, the most basic level, um, one of the main ways that you and I stick out as we stick up for the Lord, uh, one of the, the most beautiful ways that you and I go rogue is we become part of the body of Christ. 
We acknowledge uh, that we're not doing this alone, that we resist the worldly script, uh, that we're just in it for ourselves and we define truth for ourselves. But in fact, that we see ourselves as members of God's family, uh, that we're in a community of faith that's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And one of the most foundational ways that a Christian sticks up and sticks out is they go through the public demonstration of their faith. They get baptized. And this is why it's so important that baptisms are done publicly so that you can step out in front of others and say, I want to be identified with Jesus, that I'm going to die to the world and be raised to new life with Jesus, that um, I'm going to be crucified with Christ and his new life is going to be at work within me. So when John's writing this, um, I do think that that was probably one of the first ways, one of the first lines in the sand for early Christians to stick out was they would be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So if you um, like Jesus, you know, if you're tuning in right now, but you have not been baptized, um, I would say that that is really the first way uh, that you and I are called to stick out as we stick up for Jesus. Um, It's one of the ways you can demonstrate that you are going rogue, that you are breaking the mold of this world. And you're going to do the counterintuitive thing, which is you're going to take up your cross and follow Jesus so that you will die with him, but also so that you'll live with him. Um, As the old Puritans used to say, you'll find out and demonstrate to others that the way up is actually the way down, (laughs) that the way to be honored and glorified is actually the way of being humbled and repentant. See, this is what they were afraid to do. They were afraid to be marked as belonging to Jesus. But, you know, it's not that there's no hope for people like this. You know, I hope you don't think that all, you know, all these people, they never turned. Um, You got to remember that one of the rulers of uh, the Pharisees, one of the rulers, one of the authorities was a guy named Nicodemus. And way back in John chapter three, Nicodemus seems to know that Jesus is telling the truth, but for some reason he's unwilling to fully uh, express his faith in him. And I can't help but think that that's who John is thinking about right now. But we'll get to the end of the story of Nicodemus in a couple of months. You'll find out what happens to him. But all that to say, uh, going rogue uh, at, a, at a minimum means confessing the faith. So the first way we do that is we are baptized. And then the other thing I'll say about confessing the faith, um, just real quick, is um, part of the script of this world, uh, part of the script of our culture is, um, it's sort of, uh, you know, the good life, you know, the, the true person that would be honored, Uh, the person that would receive glory in this world, um, they're just doing their own thing. Um, You do you and you let me do me and um, don't judge me. You know, that's what you want to do. That's fine, but don't push it on me. Um, If Christian, if that's, you know, how we operate with people, well, you know, we'll probably pass by, you know, totally with the glory of man. They don't care what we believe as long as we're silent about it and we don't upset the apple cart. Right? It's when we start going rogue and speaking out about it that push comes to shove. But, you know, the, 
(laughs) The rub, friends, is that the gospel has to be told. It has to be explained to people. You had to have someone challenge you and love you enough to tell you the truth. And I had to have that same thing. Uh, Paul says it this way, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes through the word of Christ. Uh, Friends, there's no way that someone can come to faith in Jesus unless his word goes out, unless someone tells him. This is part of our calling as the church. We are meant to be the hands and the feet and the mouth of Christ. We are meant to proclaim the gospels of the gospel of Jesus throughout all the nations. Uh, That's part of what we're called to do. And so going rogue means uh, you have to, you know, um, stand up straight, you know, grow a backbone, uh, be bold and start confessing your faith in Jesus. And of course, I'm not talking about being obnoxious about it. I'm not talking about beating someone with a Bible, uh, but embodying both the humility and the grace and the truth of Jesus. Uh, You know, last week I encouraged you to invite a friend or a family member uh, to read the gospel of John with you. Uh, Friends, that invitation still stands. Please consider doing that and confess your faith. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them of your faith. Let's see what the Lord can do with that. But you're gonna have to go rogue. You're gonna have to be a little bold when you do it. All right, the last thing I want to point out about going rogue is um, you and I are going to have to want something different. And, uh, you know, I love how John says it. Um, What's keeping all these people from growing rogue, from breaking the mold, is that at at the bottom of it all, what they most want is they want the glory from man. They want glory, and the word doxa in Greek, glory, it just means a good reputation or honor, you know, a good name in the community. And, you know, we would say that we, you know, typically... Uh, as people, we would want that from other people. Uh, but what John is saying is that at the most profound level, we should want a good name and reputation and honor that comes from the Lord himself. Now, of course, uh, you know, that's pretty challenging, right? Because oftentimes what the world values is not really what Jesus values. Uh, but friends, um, I think I've already talked about what the world values and, um, what the glory of man would look like. What I want you to think for just a minute on and to dwell on is what does the glory that comes from God look like? What does that mean? What would it mean for God to honor you? Uh, Well, on one level, it means that God gives you his approval and his love, that he is not ashamed to call you his beloved son or daughter that he will never cast you out or forsake you, that you are marked as beloved of God, that even if this whole world rejects you, even if you stand up and you go rogue and everyone forsakes you, you'll never really be forsaken because you are eternally approved and accepted in Christ Jesus. Not because of your righteous deeds, but because through faith in Jesus, His righteousness becomes ours (laughs) and God accepts us because of Jesus's righteousness on our behalf. And so, uh, you know, if you're worried about being rejected, well, remember that uh, Jesus was rejected by men so that we would always be accepted by him. 
Now, the other thing to think about is uh, when it comes to going rogue, I think this is why it's so important, especially now, that we remember that we are called into the body of Christ, into God's family, into the church, and not just as individuals. Uh, Because if you really are going to go rogue, and I'm going to go rogue (laughs) for the Lord, uh, we're going to experience a pretty profound level of rejection. But the beauty of the body of Christ and the beauty of the church is we're all a bunch of rejects together, (laughs) that we can also encourage one another Uh, that we can be there for each other, uh, that we're not doing this alone, that we get to take up our crosses together, that we get to follow as the people of God. And just as Paul says in Corinthians, you know, the foot can no more get rid of the head than the hand can get rid of the knee. Uh, Friends, no more than the body of Christ can get rid of each other. Uh, And that's such a great comfort that even now in this strange time that you and I, we are in this together as the family of God. So even if your family rejects you, you actually have your eternal family even now. And then, of course, uh, you know, there's the beauty of thinking about God's joy Uh, You know, Jesus says this uh, in his parable of uh, the talents, you know, the person who does well, who wants to do what the Lord wants to do, who takes the talents that the Lord gives them and uses them. Um, The greatest hope of any believer is that we meet the Lord. The Lord will tell us these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Uh, Friends, uh, you know, this is so important to remember that as we take up our cross, as we repent of sin, you know, (laughs) I know it's easy to think, well, I love my sin. That's why I keep sinning. I enjoy sin. Uh, But friends, what you don't realize and what I often forget too, is that as we die to sin, we have new life. (laughs) We want new things. There is refreshment and joy in being with the Lord. I mean, that is what Jesus provides, that when we are reconciled to God the Father through faith in Jesus, we can enter the joy of God. I mean, who has more joy than the creator of joy? Uh, Friends, so even if we get rejected, we can enter into God's joy. Uh, Friends, this is uh, all, I think, shedding light on what it means to go rogue. It's uh, not just thinking about what we're losing out on, but it's actually setting our hope and our mind on wanting something profoundly more beautiful, wanting the glory that comes from God. As Jesus already says in John 12, if we serve him, we will always be with him. So let me just, you know, finish, I guess, with this. You know, I know... uh, The idea of losing your reputation is pretty scary. You know, the honor from man, you know, I mean, Shakespeare famously said this in Othello, reputation, reputation, reputation. Oh, I have lost my reputation. I have lost the immortal part of myself. (laughs) And of course, you know, in Othello, you know, the guy's uh, Cassio is lamenting that he lost his reputation. Uh, But friends, what I want you to realize is that even if you and I lose our reputation by going rogue, um, you actually haven't lost the immortal part of who you are. 
Um, you know, the, your, your reputation in this world and my reputation in this world, <laughs> that is not immortal. <laughs> I mean, uh, Shakespeare could not be more wrong. First uh, John says this, uh, for everything in this life, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, these are not from the Father, they're from the world, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Uh, friends, your reputation, my reputation, um, our earthly reputation, it is fading away like everything else in this world. Um, Shakespeare could not be more wrong. The immortal part of us is the part that needs to be called out to stick up for Christ, to go rogue so that we could be with him forever. I mean, that's what John says. Whoever does the will of the Lord abides forever. So let me just, you know, I guess say this, you know, um, I know going rogue is really scary and you're thinking, oh man, would I, would I really be willing to lose my reputation? Would I really be willing to lose the honor of man to be found in Christ? Um, I don't know if I have that in me. Um, I don't know if I'm, you know, that strong. Uh, well, uh, Christian, take heart of the good news of the grace of the gospel, the unearned favor, the overflowing mercy of God. Um, our ability uh, to be willing to accept this to go rogue. Um, it's not something that you and I can just muster. Um, if anything, that just is going to make you more proud and arrogant. Uh, friends, the ability to go rogue for the Lord, to stick out, is rooted 100% in the humbling realization that Jesus was willing to go rogue for us. That Jesus was willing to give up a good reputation, a good honor in the eyes of man, and instead sought completely and only to honor his father. So our ability, our desire to go rogue is actually Jesus's spirit within us. It's actually only available when we realize that we can't do this by ourselves we can only do it by crying out to Jesus and having his spirit at work within us. You see, this is how we go rogue and also maintain utter humility. We go rogue and follow Christ only because Christ did it for us. And we can only do it in him. So we're lifted to new heights because we know that we'll always be uh, experiencing the joy of God in his family, but it's also going to humble us because our only ability is actually, <laughs> as Calvin would say, our ability to receive um, our faith is like the empty hand that reaches out to God who gives us all things. Uh, so friends, uh, if you haven't already extended your hand to receive Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do it. Um, if you have, uh, or if you're willing to acknowledge that Jesus is true, have you taken that step and been baptized? And if you have done that, are you willing to continue sticking out by sticking up for Jesus, to continue going rogue? Uh, friends, that's an invitation to go rogue together. Let's see what the Lord does with it. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that everyone who is listening to this,
uh, Lord, would take one step closer to your son. Uh, Lord, that they would decide to be baptized, uh, to put their faith in you, uh, to pick up the gospel of John and read it with their friends. And Lord, help each one of us and myself included to not pursue a good reputation in this world or just worldly fame, uh, but to pursue, pursue the glory that comes from you. Uh, Lord, thank you that you sent your son to do what we never could. And that when his hour came, his cry was, Father, glorify your name. Uh, Father, thank you for the gospel that saves sinners like us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.